Welcome to The One, the podcast for dating from your most vibrant and authentic self. My name is Gina Catherine, and I am a confidence coach for love and sex. We know that we need to love ourselves, but nobody explains to us how to actually do this. This podcast has advice and practices on how to do just that. My mission is to help women deeply connect to their bodies, hearts, and minds. When we know, accept, and love ourselves, we draw in amazing partners and incredible experiences. I offer these words from the perspective of a usually straight, cisgendered, divorced, middle-aged white woman. It is my heartfelt hope, though, that there are nuggets for anyone to use in their sex, love, and relationships. In this podcast, I will invite you to let go of the piece of you that hopes for love but is skeptical and ask you to believe and take action in dating from a place of deep self-worth. The one exists and they are you. With that, let's dive deep into this week's episode of The One. I heard a statistic on the radio recently that something like 60% of all of our communication in 2022 was digital. And with all of these other studies that always say that something like 80% of our communication is nonverbal with body language and energy, how much of our meaning is being relayed and received at what percentage of accuracy when we text? Someone do a study on this, please. Because projection is already the poltergeist of romantic communication, and when we communicate by text, there's even more guessing and mischief and reactivity. We read so much into just two and three letters. Did they text that in frustration? Are they dismissing me? Did they text what I think that they meant to text? Does that acronym mean what what I think it means? What does that emoji mean to them? How many times have you ever freaked out when someone just plunked down the letter K? If she wrote sure, does she mean whatever, I don't care, or does she mean sure, I'm easygoing? Is your core wound in life being dismissed or being some sort of option in people's lives? Then you might be hearing it, sure, I guess, I don't really want to, but I'll do it anyway because it's easier to say sure. Then you read that simple sure and you think, don't do me any favors, asshole. (laughs) But if you're pretty secure and you haven't been dismissed as a child, you might just read it as, sure, great. My suggestion to you in this episode is to consider having a conversation about texting in the same way you would about sex. Ask your new partner, how frequently do you like it? How long feels comfortable between sessions? Can you offer feedback? Can you be direct and not abrupt? Are you practiced in the nuance? Do you take two days to get there? You get the idea. In today's modern world, just ask about texting too. And you can do this at any time of your relationship, not just when you start to date somebody. It will be a benefit no matter what. Like you could be having text conversations with people for years and then later they think, oh, I thought when you wrote that you meant this. It's really wild how much we think that we understand about other people and we don't because we're not in their head and we're not in their hearts. The Hinge dating app has this question prompt that is like, I think it says something like, what kind of texter are you? And I read people's answers and they're like, the kind that responds immediately or the kind that only uses text to make plans to meet. And it occurs to me that the texting conversation may be a soft opening to being vulnerable about what you need in love. 
How amazing would it to read an answer to that dating app prompt that says, I'm the kind of texter who worries something is wrong when I don't hear from you in three days. Or I'm the kind of texter who sends gifts to express my feelings because it's hard for me to commit to them, the feelings, I mean. Or I'm the kind of texter who so loves and appreciates a good morning or a ha-ha reaction when I make a pun. Right? So that person is asking for acknowledgement. What if a texting conversation helps the texting experience feel good to both people? In other words, what if it can be more straightforward? What if this simple conversation around what texting looks like to each of you can pave the way for an understanding of boundaries, attachment style, humor, all sorts of needs and wants? Let's use attachment style as an example. And if you're not familiar with attachment styles, I have an episode. Um, You can just scroll back and look for that episode to get the descriptions. But I'll assume that you've at least heard of what these are. And let's say that one of you has an anxious attachment style. And though nobody likes being left on red for a super long time, with an anxious attachment style, people spin when minutes and heaven forbid hours go by without a response from somebody. You may start to think, maybe they're in a meeting. Maybe they didn't like it when I texted hump day. Maybe they're married and their wife is in labor and that's why they haven't responded. Lots of spinning, making up stories, projecting with this anxious attachment style. But if you had a conversation about it, there could be a solution. And then you get to experience the person in a boundaries negotiation. So if one of you likes minute-by-minute narrative on how their day is and the other leaves their phone on Do Not Disturb 24 hours a day, what could the compromise be? What feels good to both? Maybe the person who's not the frequent texter could set an alarm on their phone and in every four hours or something like that, just send something cute to your person. people with very different texting styles coming together can be these two people who can kayak together or who would do well on that reality show win the wilderness so my offering in this episode is going to be a little guide of sorts like a do's and don'ts of texting if you don't know what an acronym means and someone texts it to you ask If you don't know what they mean by the upside-down happy face, ask. If you need a sign of life from them, ask. If you ask and they ghost, then you get a quick answer to the question, is this someone who's all in here? Are they willing? If you ask and they get defensive, you have information. This is a person who needs to work through their own shit before they get to date you. If you ask and they thank you for asking, you have information. This is a person who appreciates inquiry and clarity, and they also know how to acknowledge others when, when we're vulnerable and open, particularly if the ask comes in that form of openness and vulnerability and not, not in a way that would sort of put somebody on the defensive. Like you're saying, can you share with me what that means to you? Instead of like, what the fuck do you mean by that? Right? So you're, <laughs> you have to ask in the right way. Do text to make plans with somebody. Do text when you want to share something cute or the person is on your mind or on your heart. Do ask if people put their phone on silent at night. And do ask how they feel about audio messages. I will admit that I learned this one the hard way. I leave lots of audio messages. I'm a little bit of a lazy texter. But I forget that people don't always have earbuds or a lot of privacy. And that can be annoying to them. If the message that you're sending might need a clarifying tone, it can be really fun to leave the message by audio. Mmm, yeah, sure, for example, can be very different than mmm, yeah, sure. 
tone is sometimes everything. Don't make people guess what you're talking about. Either use very clear language or use the audio message if they've given consent and they're keen on that. Do not discuss anything upsetting by text if you can at all help it. I mean, if you're dating like a National Geographic photographer who can't ever take a call for fear of scaring the parrots away, for example, fine. But then you must pull up and out of that text exchange to get a meta view, right? So the 10,000 foot ultra neutral witness view. Read it and write it as a text as someone without an agenda, very objectively, right? Ask yourself, somebody who's not me and who's not them, who doesn't know what my intent is, how will this come across? And how intent are you to getting to the resolution with the text? So here's what I mean. Instead of writing, hey, I'm really pissed. You absolutely disrespected me when you shared how many sexual partners I've had in the wedding toast at your brother's. Use objective language. Disrespect is a feeling that the other person either had or didn't have. But stick to how something made you feel. You don't get to assign a feeling to somebody else. Especially especially by text. And again, this is in the like 0.5% chance that you're not able to discuss this in person or by phone. So if you must say something by text to the Nat Geo photographer, just say, hi, I would love to share something with you. When you gave the toast at your brother's wedding and you gave my body count, I felt sad and a bit disrespected. Can you share with me why you chose to say that? And can you run stuff like that by me first? Maybe even less. Like I'm saying it out loud and I think that even even less could be appropriate for texting, right? Just ask them what they meant by something and tell them that the way they did it caused this reaction to you. Use one or two descriptive words. If you can talk in person or by phone, and in person is infinitely better, by the way, then try not to leave a we need to talk text. That type of sentence is jarring even in person. And even when it's going to get immediately talked about, right? So even for people who have little or nothing to hide, can we talk strikes fear. Oh, fuck. Are they going to tell me that they spent all of their college years donating sperm to pay their tuition and now their 23andMe results light up with offspring all over the world? It's always better to use language like, hey, I have something to share with you. Is this a good time? Instead of can we talk or sit down, we need to discuss something. Right. One one is like dominating over the other. The the can I share something? May we speak about something that's on my heart? All of those type of invitations come to a partnership model, not a dominator model. Last but not at all least is sexting and nudes. If there is one thing I have discovered from coaching and dating, it is that this view on nudes and sexting varies widely, like far more wildly than the cilantro tastes delicious or tastes like soap debate. Some people love a nude but must be in the mood. Some people, oh, in the mood for nude. <laughs> Some people think that only a fool would send a naked photo into the permanent existence of the interwebs. And some just simply like to know that they're coming in hot so that they don't check a text while volunteering at their kid's grammar school or sitting in a board meeting. If you're sending your new partner one, consider doing this only after you've had sex. If you're part of the population who hates nudes and you just received one from a new love, try to break this to them gently, right? Like nudes are very delicate. You 
could say something like, this is incredibly beautiful of you and I would love to see it more in person. I'm just the type of person who sending nudes makes very uncomfortable. So make it about you and your feelings, not about what they've done, right? And would they be open to saving that for the bedroom? This is another topic for vulnerable conversations. Yay! Sexting is a fantastic way to build up this slow boil of desire and arousal. Lots of people need and want a lot of foreplay. And sexting can be a really yummy way to talk about what your fantasies and kinks are with long-term partner or a new partner. But it's not everyone's cup of tea. If it's not yours or your partner's, it doesn't mean that you just can never act out sexual desires. It just means that this is not going to happen by texting. So don't make it mean anything other than texting is not the preferred modem of um, sex and arousal conversation for you or for that person, right? doesn't mean anybody's a prude. It doesn't mean they're not into you. It just means not by texting. Sexting, just like nudes, works best when you're already in a sexual relationship with somebody. But if you're maybe long distance, you could try this out with consent, right? So try all of these out, but there's really only one piece of advice in this texting guide. What makes you comfortable and how can you maximize that comfort level in texting so that you can put more energy into the positive drawing in of the relationship. Texting can make us feel like a throwback to high school. <laughs> like, you know, you're second guessing yourself. You're wondering what they're thinking. You're wondering, should you do that? And should you do this? Let it be easier here. And everyone has different preferences. Like, I'm not sure that I could ever date anyone who never uses emojis or gifts to sort of flesh out their message. But I know that others find them juvenile. Those aren't my people, but they might be yours. And of course, for those of us who are parents, all bets are off. Your kid is going to answer you when and if they want to answer you. And don't hold your breath. Heartfelt thank you for listening. I am honored every time you choose the one. Loving yourself does not require perfection. Big, juicy love requires us to get curious, to offer ourselves what we are searching for in others, and know that from this place of love, and power you magnetize amazing connections please do all the actions to keep the one podcast rolling share with others who may need to hear this episode like download sleep with me under your pillow click on the link in the show notes to subscribe to my monthly newsletter and then listen every monday and thursday to get ever closer to the love that you so deeply deserve you can also follow me on Instagram where I have tons of fun content to inspire you to be the one. You are loved by me. <laughs>